Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and changemakers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and the lives of those driving the entrepreneurial movement in Canada. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Curtis, and welcome to the show. In light of COVID-19, some of our podcasts have required some updates to reflect new information. The clip you are about to hear was recorded at a later date than the original recording to include the most up-to-date information. After the clip is played, this episode will return to the originally recorded content. Enjoy! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, and we're thrilled to have Razor Suleiman, CEO and co-founder of Elevate, back on the show today. Razor Suleiman is a successful serial entrepreneur, investor, and champion of the Canadian technology ecosystem. Currently, Razor is the CEO and co-founder of Elevate, an organization committed to advancing the Canadian technology ecosystem. Elevate's mission is to unite the world's innovators to solve society's biggest challenges. The organization was created in partnership with Toronto Mayor John Tory, along with 150 community and corporate partners. Razor is also the CEO of Design Exchange, a cultural institution that provides access to hands-on design-based learning for Canada's next generation youth. Previously, Razor is founder and former CEO of Achievers, a corporate social network focused on employee engagement that was backed by legendary VC Sequoia Capital. Razor built Achievers from an idea to a company with $100 million in revenue in less than 10 years. Achievers was acquired by Silicon Valley-based Blackhawk Networks, which is owned by Silver Lake Partners, in July of 2015 for $150 million. Welcome to the show, Razor. Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. So, Razor, it's fantastic again to have you back on the show. Um, obviously, there's a lot that's changed since last we spoke. And uh, really, with the world the way it is now, what's the most important thing you want Canadian entrepreneurs to take away from our conversation today? Yeah, Matthew, listen, it's great to be on the show. I love the work that you and Startup Canada are doing, uh, especially now as entrepreneurs, you know, many of which have never navigated uh, a health crisis, let alone an economic crisis, only parallel to the Great Depression. And so I think being uh, knowledgeable and, and leveraging your community to sort of learn around how to navigate these unprecedented times 
you know, in terms of my advice to entrepreneurs, you know, I think first and foremost, I think they need to put on their own oxygen mask. You know, that old saying back in the day when we used to fly on planes, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first before you help the person next to you. I think now more than ever that's true because I think entrepreneurs by their nature are givers, they're creators, they want to build and support their themselves, their teams and their communities. But if they don't have a solid grounding, a solid footing in their own physical, mental, emotional, financial well-being, I think it's going to make them uh, challenged to help the people around them. Yeah, yeah, and it's a great point too because again, you know, the the best help you can give is the help you can give yourself. And uh, you know, once you're once you're again, like you said, once you're kind of have grounded yourself with stability, only then can you really, you know, start to prop up other people as well as holding yourself down. Agreed. So that being said, specifically during uh, COVID-19 and maybe with, you know, approaches to business and pivoting and, and things like that, what do you think the most important thing they can do for themselves and their businesses uh, to kind of weather the storm is now? Yeah, well, listen, you, uh, you touched on a really important word there, that's pivoting. I think that, uh, uh, you know, many organizations, if I think of Elevate, Right. We started the festival with Mayor John Tory in 2017. We wanted to tell Canada's story on a global stage. There were so many amazing things happening in our country, yet we were too modest or too humble, too Canadian to share those. And so it was definitely the right place and the right time. And the festival saw this incredible growth. Uh, you know, in the first year in 2017, we had about 4,000 people. This past year in 2019, we had over 21,000 people. We had a 5x growth in three years. And then just earlier this week, we announced that we are retiring the festival. We're not postponing it, right? We're not canceling it. Um, given what's going on with COVID, live events, and just thinking about the health and safety of our community, we felt that Elevate was better position would have greater purpose, would have a greater impact if we focus on what I'm calling Elevate 2.0. And Matthew, I can't tell you what Elevate 2.0 is, but we are pivoting away from tech festival and moving into what we think is even a bigger opportunity for our country. That's awesome. And it's, it's yeah, I mean, you know, even it, it sounds almost like more like an evolution than a, than a pivot at this point. Yeah, you know, we really asked ourselves when you looked at, uh, you know, the, what the team and I have been able to build over the last three years from the, the brand and the network and the access to talent and the corporate and government relationships. And then you looked at what the country needed. Would, would you have said tech festival is what the country needed in 2020? And while it was difficult to look ourselves in the mirror and be honest with ourselves, uh, this is not the greatest value we can create. This is not the biggest problem given what's going on in the world. So we got to the decision that we are better off saying we're proud of those three years and know that Elevate and where it's going, um, if we take all of those assets that we have, we would not start a tech festival today. And so that's what I would say to entrepreneurs, right? You probably started your business prior to COVID and it may have seemed like a good idea and it may solve a big problem. But if that problem no longer exists or you're not able to, to pursue that and, and your business has an opportunity in a post-COVID world to do something bigger, right? Like we've seen so much change happening in the last three months 
right, with this, you know, sort of work from home experiment, I'll call it, that has created all these new opportunities. And so I would really ask yourself, is what you're working on today the most relevant, the biggest opportunity? Is it going to be the most valuable to you, your team, and your community going forward? And if not, think about what that evolution is for you. What's your own pivot? Yeah, it's, it's those kinds of hard questions. And I mean, especially given, you know, not only the success you've seen, but um, the, uh, the 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 level at which you've grown and the rate at which you've grown, it's, you know, it's it, it just shows that really nobody's kind of, <laughs> I would say nobody's safe from this opportunity in, in some ways too, right? And, and everybody needs to take into account that, you know, this is, again, just change the likes of which I don't think anybody's ever seen before. And especially at, uh, at, at the rate at which it's affecting everyone and everything else. And, you know, it's, it really is that kind of hard, honest look that uh, everybody needs to take in the mirror and uh, really, you know, decide not, not what's best for them and, and what they're used to, but uh, how to blaze the new trail uh, from the one they were already on now. Yeah, I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, in technology, we often talk about disruption. You know, we talked about personal computers and then the internet and then mobile, right? I actually think COVID is going to be more disruptive to the business landscape than all three of those technologies combined. And with great disruption comes great opportunity, right? The world is never going to go back. You know, people often talk about, oh, when the world gets normal again. I'm like, this is the new normal. We're never 100% going back to the office like we were. We're not 100% staying at home. There's going to be a new hybrid world, right? I've been talking about the future of work for, God, 15 plus years. And all of a sudden, in the last three months, the future of work is right now. We're seeing so much change with this work from home, with the transformation of so many businesses. Uh, I think there's so many opportunities for entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really the, it, it's the way that it, it's the way that it has to be looked at because honestly, that's the way it is. I mean, you know, again, like, and it's, it really is incredible to see that, uh, again, the things and the, and the conversations that people have been having for, you know, so many years at, at this point uh, just really have come to, uh, have come to a head, not because of any, uh, not because of any choice any person made, but um, because of the choice, you know, that what, whatever the whatever the earth decided to throw at us at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So that said, um, that did kind of cover our next question, which is, uh, what is Elevate doing for entrepreneurs? Uh, which to which the answer it seems to be, is stay tuned. But um, at this point in time. What uh, you, you've mentioned again, what entrepreneurs should be doing now, but um, and you also touched on what uh, you know, what you think the world is going to look like in a quote unquote post COVID world. But how do you think people and entrepreneurs can prepare for what to do once this new normal gets uh, gets set in place? What do you think, uh, you know, the questions people should be asking themselves now are? Yeah, listen, I think, again, once you put your own oxygen mask on, that your team is uh, is safe, they're healthy, their mental and physical well-being, and your family, like once the sort of those core needs are met for the people that you have responsibility over, I think, uh, you know, something that we did internally at Elevate is we did an elevator pitch. Actually, we ate our own dog food. I opened it up to the entire organization. I said, hey, the world has changed. The best ideas we had in January are no longer relevant today. Uh, what are the big opportunities? Where are you seeing 
some of the new challenges arising in the workplace, in the ecosystem, uh, what new business opportunities. And I was so impressed with the creativity of the team and the passion and the amount of opportunities and the breadth. So I would say, rely on your own team. I would open it up to them and have an honest conversation. You know, look, maybe you're lucky and your business is Amazon or Shopify and you've been crushing it because you were smart enough to see this or you've been doubling down on e-commerce. I'll I'll share a fun stat with you. You know, through the history of e-commerce, okay, it took us, you know, let's say when Amazon launched in the mid-90s up until 2020, it took us 25 years to get to about 13% market penetration for e-commerce, okay? Okay, 13 years. I mean, sorry, 15, uh, 25 plus years, 13%. In the last three months of COVID, okay, e-commerce penetration went from 13% to 28%, a 15%. It doubled, it more than doubled in three months versus almost three decades, right? So good for you if that's your business. Well, then double down and you know add more capacity, raise some capital and build your business out. But if you are not so lucky to be Amazon or Shopify and your business has been greatly impacted by COVID, right? And it's changed uh, your business model, it's changed your solution. I would really look to your team because I think there's so much inspiration and ideas inside of an organization. And now make them be a part of the solution. We're all aware of the problem, right? But what can we do now to be of service to our communities, to our teams, to our country? Because I really do think that disruption like this creates the greatest amount of opportunity. And I think they're often really close to us in terms of where we should be going next. And that's, I, I really, really like how, again, you're, you're turning it over to your team uh, with that. Because again, who are the, you know, you, you surround, like you, your team is, is the people they are and it's made up of the people they are. Because again, you, you surround yourself with the people that not only, you know, share the vision you have, but also share values. They share, you know, the same drive, the same work effort and things like that. And they're people that, again, you know, they're, they're going to be smart people if they're in the same room as you. So sometimes really it is, you know, you, you, you turn it out to the people who can give you, you know, just that little bit of a different perspective that, uh, that, you know, may not have occurred to you before. And I, I think it's fantastic that you're taking uh, and, and giving your people, you know, the lead and giving them the power to, uh, to decide where you're going next. Absolutely. And listen, they've got the contexts, right. That most people outside the organization doesn't, they have alignment, right? Like for us at Elevate, we need to figure out a new trick. Because our festival didn't make sense in a COVID world. And so these people's livelihood truly depends on us being successful and being able to pivot. So they're aligned with you. They've got context. They obviously care about the organization. They understand the culture and the values. And so I definitely think now more than ever, uh, entrepreneurs need to lead to their teams uh, for helping them find their their way through. And on the topic of teams, this actually leads really well into my in, into our last question here for the uh, this first uh, this first bit, which is being um, on the note of teams, and you know, and in unfortunately, some cases, the downsizing of teams. Um, when it comes to new people, uh, so for example, like new grads, young people, and uh, and even up and coming founders as well, who are you know again, trying to, trying to brave, uh, a new landscape where, you know, the job market's very slim. Um, you know, people are, people are in, are in, uh, you know, 
kind of battening down the hatches and they're really in crisis mode now and there might not be a lot of appetite for investment or a lot of appetite for um, a new brave solution or uh, or risks or anything like that what advice do you have for uh, for the for the next kind of generation of uh, of entrepreneurs and the next generation of torchbearers for uh, for how we're going to lead uh, Canada out of this uh, this mess that we're in right now yeah, listen to me. I think uh, I, I always believe it's a great time to start a business. But if you do look back at the last few economic recessions, I'll take the last one, the financial crisis. Uh, you know, it created this sharing economy. Uber was born out of the last financial crisis. Airbnb was born out of the last financial crisis. So I think you uh, look to what are those opportunities. And I think entrepreneurs or, or um, potential entrepreneurs that, you know, hey, they may have thought they were going to join a company, but they've also had this entrepreneurial flair. Uh, I think, again, now with so much change happening in the world is a great time to find an opportunity that you're passionate about and to start a company. Uh, there's so many. Uh, it's so le so less expensive, right? You know, from creating a Shopify store to selling on Instagram or Facebook. You know, you can now access your customers through digital channels. And as I mentioned, so many ways of the habits we once had and the, you know, the, the businesses we once bought from has changed. And so I think you, you, you know, to, to, to quote the, the, the great Wayne Gretzky, uh, look at to where the puck is going, right? Because clearly there's going to be opportunities that come out of COVID that you're probably aware of. And why not now, whether it's uh, if you have a, you know, a full-time job and as we chatted about Matthew in our pre-call, uh, everybody's got a side hustle. Everyone's got some work and freelance on the side. Great way to test and start that out. And if you're committed, then, then jump in, right? Then, then jump in with both feet because it is a great time to, uh, to start a company. Fantastic advice and uh, fantastic, really, thoughts and expertise and wisdom on everything that you shared there, Razor. Can't, uh, really can't thank you enough. And honestly, um, all the best as it goes forward, especially with uh, with Elevate 2.0. Uh, Going to be have a lot of people on the edge of their seats or uh, couches, beds, whatever they happen to be uh, sitting on while everybody's at home, hopefully. And uh, again, can't thank you enough for uh, coming back on to do this segment. No problem, Matthew. I love the work that you and Startup Canada are doing. Please continue to help and inspire uh, entrepreneurs across this country. I know you guys have an amazing network. And let's you and I connect again in the fall, and I'll be happy to share with you uh, our uh, great pivot and what Elevate 2.0 looks like in the future. Looking forward to it. And as always, thanks again for your uh, time, expert wisdom, and expertise. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. The originally recorded episode will now begin. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. And we're thrilled to have Razor Suleiman, CEO and co-founder of Elevate on the show today. Razor Suleiman is a successful serial entrepreneur, investor, and champion of the Canadian technology ecosystem. Currently, Razor is the CEO and co-founder of Elevate, the world's fastest growing technology festival with over 20,000 guests. Elevate's mission is to unite the world's innovators to solve society's biggest challenges. The festival was created in partnership with Toronto Mayor John Tory, along with 150 community and corporate partners. Razor is also the CEO of Design Exchange, a cultural institution that provides access to hands-on, design-based learning for Canada's next-generation youth. Previously, Razor was the founder and former CEO of Achievers, a corporate social network focused on employee engagement that was backed by the legendary VC Sequoia Capital. 
Razer built Achievers from an idea to a company with $100 million in revenue in less than 10 years. Achievers was acquired by Silicon Valley-based Blackhawk Networks in July of 2015 for $150 million. Welcome to the show, Razer. And we're excited to have you. So first things first, what's the most important thing you want entrepreneurs to take away from our conversation today? Uh, yeah, you know, when I think about building a business, right, really there are three things that I think keep entrepreneurs up at night. Uh, you know, it, it's customers, it's uh, capital, and it's talent, right? Recruiting, retaining, and inspiring great people. And, uh, you know, today there's, I think, so much focus and so much uh you know, we romanticize the capital piece of finding a great investor, you know, even in your introduction, legendary investor Sequoia Capital. I mean, they're good investors. There's lots of good investors, but we tend to focus on the investment and the capital and maybe one day raising uh, venture capital. And, you know, I think that's a little bit backwards. I think we need to take the focus, the stories that medias tell, the, the things that entrepreneurs share from that capital focus to the customer focus. Because um, while, you know, a certain percentage, maybe less than 1% of all businesses will raise venture capital, um, you know, for a customer, to, for a company to grow, it's really understanding your customers. And I think we underestimate how important that is because while raising outside capital, you know, does have some benefits, it can help you grow and scale, uh, it's highly like highly dilutive. It's highly dilutive, and I I always encourage young entrepreneurs like build a business that solves a customer pain and focus on revenue, revenue, and revenue. Right, get to ten million dollars before you even think about raising outside capital because the amount of dilution, the equity, the economics that you're going to have to give up in those early days. You know when I kind of reflect back. On the people that when I raised my first outside capital, the amount of uh, that, what that capital actually costs you if you are successful in building a very valuable business is really expensive. And I just think it's easier to focus on keeping your customers happy. Mm. And I think that's kind of the, the most interesting part of it, too, because really at its core, like what else proves that your business is ready for investment uh, more so than having a model where you're already generating revenue, where you're already addressing a customer need? hundred percent. You know, the thing that attracts, you know, capital, the investors the most is customers. Well, exactly. Right? And even talent, right? Like, you know, they want to work for a company that is solving a big problem that has customers that the product is working. Right. So everything ties back to that solving a big customer problem. Exactly. Yeah. If you're going to put gas in a car, it better have wheels. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. So kind of building on that then and, and your own experience with that, uh, could you take us on a journey? Let's go through your journey as an entrepreneur from Canada to California and now back. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a ride. Uh, you know, I have been so fortunate to grow up in Canada, uh, start a number of companies. Uh, the one uh, that did take me to California was uh, Achievers. It was a corporate social network we talked about at the intro. And, you know, at the time, this is like 2009. Uh, we were about a $20 million company. We had a couple of local investors here. The business is growing 100% year after year after year. And we were only focused in Canada at the time, right? Um, so we were, you know, happy and successful here. But Canada, you know, it represents 3% of the global GDP. Like we are a, fr we are a tiny little dot on a global map. And so 
we knew for us, we wanted to take Achievers Global. We knew we had something special. And so when you wanted to raise a big amount of capital, so I know I just said don't raise capital, but we were at 100% growth and lots of great happy customers and we wanted to crack the US. Um, you couldn't, you weren't able to raise a big round of financing in 2009, like 10 years ago in Canada. Um, and, and so we had to go to uh, the US, we had to go to California. We were fortunate to get term sheets from you know Sequoia Capital and Bain and Kleiner Perkins and Battery and some really notable, amazing VCs. Uh, but all of them were like, well, if we're going to do this investment, you need to crack the US market. We need to take this thing global. We need to make this thing you know, 10, 20, 100 times bigger. And so the journey of finding capital to get more customers is what really brought us to California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, like a it's, it's a perfect tie-in to what you mentioned at the start where saying like, you know, if you want to scale this, if you want to take this bigger uh, and people are, are giving you the support for, for taking bigger and telling you what the next steps were to take that, it's because, again, I, I feel like at its core, you had something that really did address that customer pain you were talking about. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We knew we had product market fit and it was time to pour more, uh, to use your analogy, gas in the tank and really take off. Mm-hmm. And moving from there, moving from achievers, is is that kind of model that you had for that business is something that's been uh, consistent throughout as you've moved from uh, achievers and and you know exited and started, exited and started as you kept going with your businesses. Uh, when you say the model, do you mean the business model of achievers or the start, build, scale, sell, and then move on to the next company? Just to clarify, hmm. why don't we start with the business model specifically of achievers? And then Got we can it. move into that's uh, whether or not that's been a consistent theme for you in the terms of start, scale, and sell. Yeah. So, uh, you know, listen, I think everything as you grow, you, you, you iterate, you learn. And so I think about the early days of Achievers. You know, it's a little unique business because it's both a SaaS subscription business, but then we added a whole marketplace component. We did employee rewards and recognition. And while we wanted everyone to use our software and monetize through sort of SaaS subscription software, we knew we had a huge opportunity on the back end when uh, companies were using their points on achievers to buy rewards. And so we evolved the model uh, over the years as the company grew and scaled. Um, so that that part was an, an evolution with sides. You know, you're kind of seeing it today, even with like Uber at their size, right? You know. They were all about, you know, peer to peer with Uber X pickups, and now they're in Uber Eats and they're doing food delivery. And actually, the food delivery business is actually more successful uh, so far than the ride sharing business was. And so, I think you do have to stay open to the opportunities as your business grows and evolves. But again, it's going back to solving a customer pain, right? They figured that they could keep their customers happy and loyal by adding, uh, you know, food to it, which made perfect sense. Mm. And then moving from there in the in the start scale and exit model as well, um, do you find that again these these consistencies uh, that you found through the business are, are still completely and totally part of that model as well? Yeah. So listen, I've been I've been fortunate to have started a couple of tech companies that have grown and scaled and had some meaningful exits. I you know I never really think about the exit. Uh, while building the company or that being the end goal. I think when you have the exit as the ultimate goal in mind, 
I think you make short-term decisions. I think you sub-optimize, mm. right? And so I never encourage entrepreneurs. Like I, I love the Warren Buffett model of like buy and hold forever, right? Especially when they're your companies, right? Because you have a lot of influence in how this thing grows up and what it becomes. And so taking a long-term view on building and scaling and holding forever, I think is the right mindset that entrepreneurs should have. Now, having said that, you know, in our case, we were very fortunate that we had some, you know, interest from a number of different parties as the company grew and became global and we had a hundred million in revenue. People were like, wow, this is, you know, now a category leader. And so the, you know, the usual suspects in enterprise software from Salesforce to IBM all come knocking on the door. And in my case, you know, we talked about raising outside capital. I was at a unique situation where I had now had um, venture capital in my business for about nine years and venture capital runs on a 10 year cycle. And so I had to solve the problem of like, well, how do I get my earliest investors liquidity and get them to, you know, get a return on their capital, but then continue to grow. And mm -hmm. in that process, we just, we got an offer with the right terms and conditions that were life changing for me and my family. Uh, and so Never the intention of selling. The goal was to buy and hold forever. Mm -hmm. But with that offer, we definitely took it. Yeah, and and I think that's that's so uh, that's so key in the sense that like, if you're able to keep this long term vision and have that be your guiding principle while still uh, remaining flexible and agile enough to react to what the conditions you find yourself in, uh, I, I think that's really a, a key insight. Agreed. So moving from there, and and in the. And in the same vein of conversation of um, this uh, this constant evolution of not only uh, how you react to the kind of market conditions you find yourself in, but also how you react once you've you know finished and exited and are planning on starting your next company. I'd like to shift the conversation now to um, to elevate and kind of what the journey, the idea for that was, and. Uh, really what you've learned since starting elevate and how that vision has changed. Uh, since you first brought it about? Yeah, so in 2015, after selling uh, Achievers, um, you know, we were fortunate. We didn't have a lockup. We didn't have an earnout. It was an all-cash deal on exit, which is very, very rare for an entrepreneur to be able to, be able to walk away without having any handcuffs. And so my wife and I at the time, or my wife uh, and Carrie, my co-founder of Life, uh, decided, you know what, it was time to come back home. We had been in the U.S. for almost 10 years we had a little American baby, and we knew we wanted to raise uh, Asher in Canada. Canada is the greatest country in the world. Uh, in that 10-year period, the ecosystem in Canada had changed so much. Uh, we are on fire, right? So when we move back into 2015, there's this, you know, there's this um, belief we have in our family just around how fortunate we've been, and that it was time to give back, and it's time to think about how do we pave the way for the next generation of entrepreneurs so that they can build meaningful, uh, globally relevant companies right here from Canada. And so we did a number of different things from uh, supporting Next Canada, or we launched the Spotlight Awards, which recognized uh, all the Canadian unicorns and the billion dollar companies that we were here creating in Canada. And I remember a conversation with Mayor Tory, uh, who you know was is a very big champion of the tech ecosystem, a very big champion of diversity and inclusiveness in Canada and around the world. 
and was really saying, you know, Razor, like, we're having a hard time attracting global companies to open up our offices because we don't have a major tech event in Canada. So, you know, me having a little bit too much time on my hands, uh, my wife called me fun employed. I'm like, oh, great. You know, well, why don't we start something? And so we kind of pitched this idea for Elevate. I remember this was like June. And we're like, this is what we're going to do. And he's like, oh, you mean, you know, you're going to do it the following September. And I'm like, no, 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 we're going to ship this September. We're going to do it MVP. And so we launched the first Elevate in 2017 in 95 days. It was wow. insane. I do not recommend that to anybody. <laughs> uh, but it was a passion project. It was a labor of love. And lo and behold, you know, 4,000 people come with Vinod Kosla being our headline headliner for the first year's festival. And it was amazing and hard work and satisfying. And we weren't even sure if we were going to continue doing it. But then people were like, oh, my God, I can't wait for next year. And then sure enough, we put together a team and we built it and grew it. And in 2018, we had about 9,000 people came, including Al Gore and Eric Schmidt. Uh, in 2018, Toronto was recognized as the fastest growing tech ecosystem in North America. And you could feel it, like it was palpable of what was happening in Toronto and in Canada. And then this past year, you know, we called the, the festival Elevate. So it had to get bigger and better. Uh, right, we uh, we had twenty one thousand people come out this year, which sort of blew our own expectations, uh, including notable people like Michelle Obama and mm. Commander Chris Hadfield, Martha Stewart. So we're really now attracting globally recognized icons, even outside of tech, want to come and be as part of the platform. And I think there's just a lot going on in Canada right now. There's a lot going on. Uh, around tech and and this desire for tech to do good, right? I think tech deserves the backlash, the tech lash it's now experiencing, because I think it's been growth and profits and revenue and global domination at all costs, and we're not thinking about the societal impact of what those big tech companies uh, are doing to the world. Mm. Razor, I have to say, it sounds like you hit on a lot of um, the kind of the the common feelings that really can kind of come when you look at uh, startup ecosystems or in, in particularly startup tech ecosystems as well as uh, in terms of the concerns that, you know, that can be and why they can draw a lot of flack for lack of representation, kind of lack of inclusion and really it having be, you know, the same companies with the same goals. But in Elevate's case, if you're trying to to push the startup and tech startup ecosystem towards a more inclusive and towards a more um to use the words, I, I think social enterprise might be a little bit more accurate here, but uh, please reflect on that if you want to. And um, how do you plan on using Elevate to advance inclusivity and diversity and uh, taking some of the first steps and having those uh, difficult conversations around some of the concerns that exist with the startup community? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm sure everybody can identify with what I'm about to say. Uh, Anytime, anytime I used to go to you know tech conferences in Silicon Valley or pretty much anywhere, you see the one same homogeneous group in the audience on stage, uh, which is generally you know you are white, you are male, you are straight, you are under forty, and you are you know based in the Bay Area, and that one demographic has had such a big impact on uh, on the platforms that we you know, subscribe to and, and uh, engage with. And we need to make sure, uh, when I think about Elevate and, and in our, uh, our own DNA, uh, diversity is our strength. It's actually one of our values. 
So we are really thoughtful around representation and around diversity and inclusiveness. We want to make sure that there's, you know, diverse thoughts and diverse ideas from a different group of people and that we feel this obligation that the people that we invite to the festival that come as well as, and probably more importantly, the people we put on stage should be reflective of the Canadian population, right? If you can't see it, you can't be it. And for a country of 35 million people, we need everyone to be participating in entrepreneurship. We need everyone to be participating uh, in startups and scale-ups and building globally relevant companies. We need everybody at the conversation when it comes to shaping tech because tech is shaping our society. And so we are really thoughtful and mindful about that. I'm really proud to say that our programming team who do, does make the decisions of who we put on stage this past year, 57% of our speakers identified as women within the audience, 52% uh, of the people in the audience identified as women. Like where have you ever seen that at a tech event? Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's entirely true. And I think, um, I think really what hits what that hits at the core at uh, is entrepreneurship itself, because ultimately it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your background is, or anything. If you see a problem, it's about you addressing and identifying it. And given the fact that there is so much, you know, clout, time, money, energy that goes into scaling and creating, you know, tech companies that are changing the world it really does seem like it's one of the most important conversations to be had to be able to say like, look, you can be anyone from anywhere doing anything. You still have a place at this table. Yeah, completely agree. You know, we believe that, you know, entrepreneurship talent is evenly distributed across society, but opportunity is highly concentrated, mm -hmm. right? How do we, again, democratize the opportunities for everyone to start a company? Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of putting, putting those opportunities and distributing those opportunities, as you said. And I, I want to get now into what would your vision be for distributing those opportunities for entrepreneurship in Canada and across Canada? And how would you see an organization like Startup Canada, for example, uh, aiming in delivering and aiding to deliver those opportunities? Well, we love what you guys are doing in Startup Canada. Uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna figure out how do we continue and grow and scale. But in terms of you know making those opportunities available uh, for us on stages, we do open calls for speakers. We want to hear obviously from the big names and high profiles, but also those up and coming talented people, maybe the substance speakers. Uh, this year, we're also launching a campaign. We're partnering with a number of tech events across the country, and the campaign is called Homecoming. We want to bring back Canadians that, like me or others that have gone to Silicon Valley maybe 10 years ago or London or New York or Austin and let them know that there are amazing opportunities back here in our ecosystem. So we want to bring them back home. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we continue to make it accessible, right? We talked about inclusivity. Well, sometimes the cost of certain things are uh, very expensive. Uh, and lastly, if you are looking for a job in the ecosystem, right, we know that uh, opportunities are super important and tech is, you know, is eating the world. We have a program across the country. It's called Open House, where you can go visit thousands of startups across the country at no cost. So we want to make sure that it's really accessible to anybody that's interested in becoming an entrepreneur 
anybody that's interested in working in a hot startup in this country, anyone that's interested in moving back home and maybe getting a senior job at a scale-up company that's going to create the next, you know, we're going to create dozens of Shopify's are going to be happening right at Elevate. So we want to make sure that everyone gets to participate. No, that's, that's fantastic. And, um, and I, I think that really, uh, I, I think really, what hit home for me the most out of all that was uh, was when you were talking about uh, uh, the homecoming initiative and and bringing people back and and shifting their focus away from, you know, realizing that uh, or helping them understand really that there are amazing things happening here in this country now, and it's it's a train to jump on and it's it's something to come back to and realize that like even though when they originally took their business elsewhere uh, because that's what they needed to do to grow and scale. Um, looking back and, and realizing just uh, all the amazing things that are going on in Canada right now, it's, it's just such a such an incredible opportunity for everybody involved to uh, really kind of bring this ecosystem and Canada to the next level, both, uh, both on a business stage and the world stage. Totally. I mean, that's the number one challenge. We talked about startups only have three things to worry about, customers, talent, and capital. Uh, talent is actually the limiting factor. We talked about how capital now is abundant. People are raising hundreds of millions of dollars in Canada, but scale up talent and talent in general is what's really uh, limiting our growth of Canadian startups to become scale ups and Canadian scale ups to become globally dominant tech companies. And so we want to find it in all over this country. And we all know people that at some point in their careers, they went to Boston or London. Well, now is the time to reach out to them and say, come back home. The ecosystem is on fire. We are the fastest growing ecosystem in the world. Everybody's hiring. And that's, the, that's what people, expats need to hear. Because before you move back home, you're going to want to know that there are uh, not only a job, but there's a, an abundant amount of opportunities that the whole ecosystem is doing great things. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly entirely. And, and I think, uh, I think one thing that um, entrepreneurs might, uh, might find valuable as well is, is how do, how would you think that they would create uh, and kind of create and distribute the, the knowledge and the awareness to Canada that's, or to, talent that is growing in Canada right now. So for the next generation of, of students graduating, for the next generation of young entrepreneurs, how do you think they need to best connect themselves both within the ecosystem, but put themselves on, on a public stage in front of everybody and say, hey, we have this incredible thing going on and we need your help? Yeah, well, listen, uh, th there are great things happening across the country. I'll sort of speak for Elevate. We are trying to be in every city across the country, connecting with local communities. You can always visit us on elevate.ca. Open House is a free uh, experience that we offer. So there's really, we're trying to really lower the barriers. Tech has this like walled garden of opportunities. We're trying to democratize that. We're trying to make all the opportunities available. Uh, for entrepreneurs to grow, for people, talent looking for opportunities, for investors looking to invest in great companies. Uh, that's really what gets us excited about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's everything that, I think that's something that should get everybody in the audience excited as well. So Razor, as we're wrapping up our, our conversation here today, I want to uh, kind of give a, a nice holistic overview of, uh, in consideration of everything that we talked about. Um, as we end up the conversation today, what do you think is, again, the most tangible takeaway for entrepreneurs uh, that they could take away immediately from this conversation and implement in their business? 
Yeah, great question. You know, we started this conversation talking about the three things that matter to entrepreneurs, customers, capital, and talent. We talked about that capital is abundant and focusing on customer revenue is vital. But that last element, the talent piece, is actually what is the number one challenge in the ecosystem right now. It's preventing startups from becoming scale-ups and scale-ups from becoming globally relevant tech companies. So my one tangible takeaway for entrepreneurs listening to this podcast is start an employee referral program. The best way to hire A players is to ask your existing A players. And who knows, right? Someone that they went to college with you know, might be a developer at a company, may have had a bad day, they should be talking to those people, those passive candidates that maybe not be on job boards, but, you know, when the right opportunity comes around, they would consider it. And in a referral from a friend is a very credible way of building your uh, talent funnel. And so my takeaway is employee referrals are the best way to find A players. They're the most effective recruiting strategy. Maybe you even tack on a, a bonus that if we hire somebody that you refer to us, maybe you get $1,000 or $5,000. But I think that every entrepreneur should have a very robust talent strategy uh, with the principle being uh, around employee referrals. Mm. And I think that's a fantastic takeaway too, because who keeps the ship afloat if it's not the crew that's working on it, right? 100%. Yeah. Reja, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your expertise, and really getting at the heart of uh, not only where you think the tech industry in Canada and the world is right now, but how you think we're going to get it to the next level. And we're so happy to, again, have you uh, on the show and be a part of uh, elevating, as it were, the tech ecosystem in Canada. Sounds great. I'll see you in September. Sounds great, Razor. All the best. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Until next week, I'm your host, Matt Curtis. Go check out the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 